And there I sat, day after day. The sun came up and the sun went down. The seasons came and went, days went by, waiting to hear from the Lord. Three years and not a word, not even a whisper in the treetops. Oh yeah, there were dreams of destiny from time to time, but they were dim and fleeting. Do you think the Lord took you to the desert to die just for the sport of watching the light slowly go out of your eyes? Nope. It is my hope we know him better than that. Is it really being abandoned, isolated, and alone? Or is it time alone with God to build faith for our future destiny? Remember, 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 while we were in difficult circumstances and we're practicing our long-suffering, Jesus did say, always with you and never forsake you, ever. Long-suffering. It most certainly Never, never, never is the Lord to leave you with no promise and no support. Ever. And he will always keep his promises. Always. Always. Abram believed God and became Abraham, God's covenant partner. The Lord had himself a man who would believe for the impossible. One of Abraham's most impossible situations was that the Lord was going to bring his only son through the line of Abraham. But then Abraham needed a son, and he didn't have one. In this case, God waited until the situation was impossible. Not being the God of the final hour, but God of right on time. God promised to make Abraham the father of many nations. Yet Abraham didn't even have a son, not a one, let alone enough to make a tribe, much less many nations. Abraham's situation looked so impossible. He couldn't see how God was going to do it. It says in Genesis 17:17 17, 17, that Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is one hundred years old? <laughs> and shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? The word therefore laughed isn't meant as a gentle chuckle. It means literally that they giggled and chuckled incredulously. The Lord's promise seemed so outrageous to them it was laughable. Yet time went by, and God did the impossible. Sarah did, in fact, conceive, and brought forth Isaac, the son of promise. God waited. It probably seemed like forever from the time God made that promise until he brought forth the son of that promise. The Lord is long-suffering, and it is one of our fruits of the Spirit. He is always working behind the scenes on our behalf, and just because we don't see his working doesn't mean it isn't there. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. Patiently enduring while diligently clinging to the promise that God will do what he said he would do, and when he does, 
It will be a testimony to all who see. In the meantime, we develop an understanding of the Lord, coming to a better perception of what is in our hearts, along with knowing God's details. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. I'm Social Porter, and this is Outposts, a semi-live broadcast of cool jazz and contemplative conversation. From the deck area of a rural cafe overlooking the broad and beautiful Ocklawaha River, where the trees gently lean over the river's edge and every evening is pleasant. Tonight is Acoustic Night, which occurs only on the third week of the month. It's always a pleasure to dig through all the acoustic jazz for the program. Long Suffering. The Fruit of the Spirit, Long Suffering, is this evening's topic du jour, complete with a few rabbit trails and relevant ideas. Stay with me, tap your toe and dream a little, and I'll be right back. understood that his God was the God of the impossible. Even when he went to offer Isaac as a burnt offering, he was expecting God to do something miraculous. Even though the Bible is silent about this, I've wondered, what did Abraham expect God to do? On a side note, when the Bible is silent about things, we can speculate for sure. But the fact still remains that we can't build sound doctrine from a platform of silence. In the meantime of waiting for God to accomplish His word to us, we must hold the line, believing the Lord will do all that He has said and more. Long suffering. Maybe Abraham expected God to raise Isaac from the dead. I don't know. But whatever he expected, We do know Abraham said he and Isaac would both be coming back, as noted from Genesis 22, verse 5. Abraham knew God was more than able to take care of any impossible situation. Isaac was the son of promise, and no matter what, God would make his promise come to pass. You know, God is the only one in the universe that actually keeps all of his promises and does everything he says. What impossible situation are you facing today? I'm sure some of us have waited for what feels like a ridiculous amount of time. Are you determined, though, to follow the Lord regardless of how things turn out? Remember, 
God is still solving impossibilities for us, just like he did for Abraham. A dear friend of mine said he and his wife were in a terrible fix, although by the skin of their teeth their needs were being met with nothing to spare. All in all, they didn't feel like the Lord was anywhere to be found. He felt exhausted and his wife was near to fainting. He said they'd been desperately praying for months and months, that they had diligently fasted, fervently repented, declared good things, rebuked unseen bad things, claimed promises, and that his hope and faith were worn down to dried-out bones. Yet there he sat, and nothing had changed. One day I called him, and he said for months he'd been begging the Lord to come and save him. Then, in a most pitiful voice, he said, I feel like a little boy at the orphanage waiting for his father to come pick him up. And day after day, no one shows up, and there is just the sound of wind, empty halls, and rain against the window panes. From where I was sitting, even in all of his terrible circumstance, At the core of his person was a little light of hope that kept rekindling itself somehow, like a flame bound to a coal, and it just refused to go out. He kept holding on to the Lord, knowing that man himself can fix nothing, and really, only God can help. Often, we all have nobly said that we know only God can fix things, But yet how often we are a nervous wreck and can't sleep because what we say we know and what we really know are two different things. Mind you, my friend didn't do anything wrong. He's not a crook. He's not a liar. He's not a manipulator or a transgressor. He's not greedy and stupid. He doesn't have sin in his life. And I'm saying that for any listeners who would feel the need to go down the list of sins as to why unfortunate things happen to good people. Some would easily throw out a one scripture fixes all statement, but that doesn't help. He didn't have sin derailing God's promises all the time as we might imagine with our crooked finger aiming judgment at him. I'll tell you what I see, and I hope my friend is listening. I see a man and a woman who are long-suffering and holding on to Jesus, knotting their hands in the hem of his garment for all their worth, determined to go with the Lord. Long-suffering. I see two people who keep waiting on the Lord because they truly believe Jesus will come and lift their hearts, and he will. I see two people who are kind and gentle, smart and intuitive, who love honesty and the truth. Honesty and the truth. I see the fruit of the Spirit in them, and it's how I know they are in the fellowship of the saints. I know they don't feel much like that considering where they are right now. And I understand that when we get in a terrible spot and see no way out, life just seems impossible. But it doesn't matter in the moment, how we got there, but more that God knows exactly where we are and He will 
come and rescue us. Friends who are in desperate places, I admire your patient endurance and your determination to not be moved, your long-suffering, long-suffering. For it's not a test so God will know what you're made of, but so you will know what you're made of for the purpose of going where people are the most desperate and giving them hope. Long-suffering is that quality of self-restraint in the face of offense and personal challenge, which does not hastily retaliate or run swiftly to chastisement. It is the opposite of anger and is associated with mercy and is used of God. Exodus 34, 6 And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, Merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Long-suffering. I believe the Lord wants to develop the grace of long-suffering in our lives. I must say I'm not, by any means, thrilled at learning this grace, nor am I enthusiastic about, metaphorically, being at the bottom of the ocean in order to learn to trust God for my breath. But... If God really does know best, if He really is who we are following, then learning long-suffering isn't about enduring a situation, but more about clinging to Jesus. Getting wisdom and grace are often acquired through trials and difficulties, typically through situations rife with unfortunate circumstances and not something we would wish on anyone, but truly It is wisdom and grace possessed in no other way except to go through deep water with the Lord. Often we find ourselves in great distress because we have heard from the Lord and then we re-decide His directions. And then we re-decide our re-decision when the path is too steep to continue. It's like the Lord asks us to climb a mountain. We sing our best worship songs and strike out on the upward trail. Hours later, when we're hot, tired, and thirsty, we've stopped singing and are out of breath. Halfway up the mountain, we re-decide everything and invent another word from the Lord saying, Things aren't well with me. 
I believe the Lord wants me to go back down. Long-suffering says we stay the course and rely on God to do only what God can do. Long-suffering. I realize that is easy to say, but once again, when deep water is coming over the side, the wind is howling and ocean spray is stinging our skin, it's not so easy to be the heroic figure standing tall and strong Unless, in our times with the Lord, we have learned long-suffering. Long-suffering. We truly love the idea of being a hero, but the reality is, staying the course, being determined to stand strong and finishing the race, is the stuff of heroes. Through the trials which we have walked, fixed firm in our hearts that the Lord is with us, He will never leave us and that we will follow after Jesus no matter what the storms do or how limited our understanding and vision are. Long-suffering says that we've learned to restrain our inclination to knee-jerk reactions and doesn't abandon our mission without careful consideration of the circumstances and confirmation from the Lord. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. Colossians 1.11 says, Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Long-suffering. In the Old Testament, patience can be used where the translators used long-suffering. The intent of the word changes, some, based on the words before and after its usage. But in the New Testament, especially Colossians 1.11 and 2 Timothy 3.10, patience and long-suffering are used in the same sentence, revealing to us that there is a difference. Patience is hyper-persistence to abide in Christ while waiting on God. And long-suffering is long passion with fierce determination to not be moved. Now, that's a really important definition to hear, so I'm going to say it again. Patience is a hyper-persistence to abide in Christ while waiting on God, and long-suffering is long passion to breathe hard after with fierce determination to not be moved. As with kindness and compassion, which are both masculine nouns, 
Here we have another righteous pair, long-suffering and patience, which are feminine nouns. They are like two sisters who go together. If we find long-suffering acting in our hearts, we can rest assured patience is very nearby. There are quite a few pairs which the Lord has put together and don't act independently of each other. And here it is, to name a few, hope and purpose, kindness and compassion, long-suffering and patience. If hope comes to visit, make two beds in your spare room because her sister purpose is staying also. If you set a place at the table for kindness, set two because his brother compassion expects to join the party too. From God's perspective, you can't have one without the other because kindness without compassion is called deceit. If we set sail with long-suffering, patience insists on being at the helm also. Patience says, I will abide in Christ while we wait. And long-suffering says, I refuse to budge from my place of forbearance while patience does her work. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. I figure since God is long-suffering, it makes sense to me that if the Spirit of God dwells within us, then He will begin to demonstrate or manifest His characteristics within us as a fruit of the Spirit. Some church folks think when the Lord inhabits their heart, somehow their journey will be blue skies, gentle breezes, moonbeams and merry-go-rounds, and that's simply not so. I don't believe the idea of long-suffering and patience is in our nature, unless it's to get something we want. In fact, I'm pretty sure that mankind left to their own thinking is nothing but a downward spiral, and we exclusively need Jesus to find the updraft necessary to fly beyond the gravitational pull of this world. In our society, we tend to split things out into their own little categories. It is a method used to measure how well we're doing. It makes a calculatable outcome easier to predict with a measurable probability of success. God sees the fruits of the Spirit quite differently, though. 2 Timothy 3.10 But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance. Paul doesn't just equate purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance as separate things, but as a lifestyle and doctrine that defines us. Long-suffering, along with the other fruits of the Spirit, are more than just beliefs we hold. Literally, they are principles of governing policy. Governing policy. Long-suffering and patience are part of what governs our appetites. Come on now, be honest about what is really in your heart. Who or what governs your appetites? And do you know what, how, and why you allow these things or that person to define you? How is it somebody other than God defines you?
Romans 2.4 Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? I asked myself a question. Here it is. Is long-suffering essential? And of course I asked this when life was really painful. And I looked up at the Lord and asked that question. Lord God, is long-suffering really essential? I believe yes. Long-suffering and patience are among the things which are indispensable. They are principal among first things. Necessary because Christ has forgiven us. Therefore, we must be long-suffering and willing to forgive each other. Long-suffering. Colossians 3. 12 to 13. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Kindness, compassion, humility, long-suffering, bearing with each other, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as God forgave you long-suffering. Necessary for maintaining the unity of the body of Christ in order that we would walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Ephesians 4, 2-3 With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace. Without long-suffering, the transgressions we commit against one another will quickly destroy the very unity for which Christ died. If we watch the congregation more than we look at Jesus, anyone could easily find enough offense to lose their footing. It is easy to find fault with other believers, but it is God in us to be long-suffering and patient. Long-suffering and patient. Long-suffering and patience are supremely necessary for those who would be in leadership. In the days of the Roman Empire, soldiers were often not paid in currency but with salt. Thus the phrase, worth your salt, is more easily understandable. So, as a leader who is worth their salt, we must have long-suffering and patience with people. And yeah, come on now, I know that's not easy, but it's a necessity. Those in leadership will often find themselves first to start because they're leading the way, and last to finish because they've stayed behind to ensure everyone will get across to safety. I marvel at how often the very sheep you help are the very first to bite you. And we must be long-suffering and patient with our people. And yes, sheep bites hurt. Make you a little mad too sometimes. No servant of the Lord can faithfully correct those in opposition without the character quality of long-suffering and patience. Long-suffering and patience. 2 Timothy 2.24-25 And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all, 
apt to teach patient, in humility instructing those that oppose themselves. One time, quite foolishly, on a dare, I put a tablespoon of fresh oregano in my mouth. It was so overwhelming, I quickly spit it out and immediately tried to wash the taste out. It was horrible. Well, like many seasonings, I don't think anyone would want to put them directly in their mouth. Even so, they are needed to bring out the best flavor of everything else they come in contact with. So too, no one I know enjoys the bitter taste of affliction or trial. Yet they are necessary if we are to enjoy the righteous fragrance that long-suffering and patience rewards us with. A man was walking through the grocery store with a screaming baby in the shopping cart. A woman nearby noticed that time and again the man would calmly say, Keep calm, James. Keep calm, James. Finally, in admiration for the man's long-suffering and patience, as the child continued to wail, the woman walked up to him and said, Sir, I really admire you for your patience with baby James. To which the man replied, drawing himself up to full height, Madam, I am James. I believe long-suffering and patience are like the ballast in the bottom of a ship. They keep us from going belly up when the wind is howling and a stormy trial is at hand. When you're running against the wind and the darkness is closing in, your trust in the Lord and willingness to be long-suffering and patient will always bring you to a safe haven. Amen? Amen. And think about it. If we don't learn anything in our afflictions, it's just stupid. There is no point in useless suffering. People who don't learn anything in their afflictions seem to only have old age and dying to look forward to. And honestly, we shouldn't worry about getting old. It doesn't last long. Galatians 3.4 Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? If we've thought our terrible situations are all for nothing, we are wrong. We are always changed when the Lord walks with us through our afflictions. Long-suffering and patience don't happen overnight, nor is it without cost. 
but God has a purpose in developing them in us. James 1, 2-4 Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Long-suffering and patient. I'm Social Porter, and this has been Outposts, a semi-live broadcast from the beautiful rural cafe at the end of Old Field Road. Go out Highway 25, and when you cross the old stone bridge, take the first left and go to the end of the road. When you start seeing the Oklawaha River on your right, big trees and never-ending blooming flowers, you'll know you are close to the bend in the river where the trees gently lean over the river's edge, and every evening is oh so pleasant. If you get a chance, go by livinginhisname.org. Visit the Outpost page for further delightful programming. This production has been brought to you by Living in His Name Ministries, the Mebin Freedom League, Area 22 Guitars, Man That Guy Knows His Stuff, Jackson Flower Shop on Main Street, Michael McGee and his amazing wife in Greenville, and our good friends at Trinity Bakers, where there's always something good in the oven. Music was by Lyle Mays, Marcus Miller, Trevor Gordon Hall, Acoustic Alchemy, Martin Tolstrom, Keith Jarrett, and Plaz Johnson. All music use is licensed by BMI. So listen, be strong and courageous. Let God do His work developing the fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering and patience in you. You will be more at peace, and so will everyone around you. Be blessed this week. Keep your life between the lines on the road, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs>